Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on a road. Okay, uh, well, Hamas attacked Israel. That is how we begin this Hamas episode. attacked Israel, so our... our I was going to ask you about it, and then I thought... Why don't we talk about Star Wars instead? But no, we should do Israel. For I was going to say Hamas attacked Israel and that, uh, well, that threw off our, our plan, actually, it turns out, for what we had planned today. But we won't reveal too much. We'll get it, we'll get it solved. He's not joking. Normally he jokes. <laughs> this, is, this is real. Um, but yeah, when stuff like this happens, the whole battle in the public sector, the ba- battle in media is entirely over the story storytelling so yeah and as you as an editor me as an author we both know that if you root particular perspectives in a narrative like wherever your starting perspective is tends to align antagonist protagonist good guys bad guys are you telling beowulf from the perspective of grendel like john gardner did in his novel yeah are you telling it from the perspective of the heroes and this is key too because this is something I think that makes postmodern criticism of literature kind of fun is when you take a story and tell it from a different perspective. Yeah. Of course, they say then, therefore, text doesn't matter, but you can totally see how, depending on your starting point, yep. you can watch every major city in the US have pro Palestinian rallies when there's also footage yep. from the other side that would. Yep. And the thing is, this it's so cyclical in this case. Um, there's a yeah. great documentary, I'm trying to remember what it is, about the Six Days War uh, back in the back in the day when um well there's there's so much weirdness right now, let's just say, around Israel and around Jews that is just bizarre mm-hmm. and kind of inexplicable, just kind of woven into the fabric of reality. It doesn't make sense. So if if they were uh the Kurds or the Armenians, another like other peoples that have been very mistreated in particular ways, but they had one real big massive mistreatment. You know, it's uh, it, at the Holocaust. There's one big horrible moment, and this is the aftermath of that. It'd be a completely different narrative. Like the Armenians had a genocide; it was horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's not the same kind of just like pervasive anti-Armenian sentiment everywhere among intellectuals among you know people in congress among people who are on the hard right among people who are on the hard left where they agree that you know and even fight over you're not a really a kurd you're not really an armenian you're ashkenazi uh you know it's it's really it's bizarre there's an there's other than spiritual weirdness there is no explanation for how disliked the jews have been for so long uh, and there's been various flashpoints, like in the Reformation, where people like Luther said some terrible things. But they're also, it was that was very, uh, that was the mainstream. I mean, he was inside the mainstream of anti-Semitism at that time. Right. Uh, but reformers planted a pretty hard flag the other direction, like that it they part of the Reformation was was pushing against that anti-Semitism. Uh, and you can find it. I think it's Bootser and other and other places where. You know they're they're leaning against that when it was the totally acceptable thing. Yeah, it was not woke at all. It was it was woke at the time to be anti-Semitic, 
Uh, but then you have the weirdness of the creation of the the current state, the modern state. Complete misunderstanding, the dispensational background. Yeah, but it happened. Uh, then you have the invasion and you have the six days war and you have them taking back, uh, well, you, them taking land from their invaders. They push back and win uh, and take ground. And then they hold that ground. And then they, uh, as a nation state, being populated heavily by you know the descendants of Holocaust survivors and so on, for them, every fight is an existential fight. Mm. You know, like these moments, they are surrounded on all sides and they will absolutely fight with maximum violence to preserve themselves. Yeah. And so the backlash from this is going to be just enormous, mean, meaning is, Israel's pushback is going to be incredible. Um, it's it's going to be- ex It's going to be all the way incredible. Yeah. And- then it's going to be used to justify further hatred of the Jews and of Israel and so on. And people will talk about a two-state solution. It's like, well, we already have a Palestinian state. It's called Jordan. So there's already, you know, that. And there were already uh, invaders who then lost ground, you know, and Israel's held onto these buffers uh, from, from way back in the day. And I'll add one extra curveball for anybody who just wants to be like, no, they don't have it. They don't have it rough. Watch Munich. Actually, yeah, like, I was just getting watch into that. Freaking Munich. <laughs> Read about what happened. Like, imagine uh, Olympians being abducted and murdered at the Olympics. And then 17, I think, of them murdered. I don't remember. I think it was 17. Uh, and then the Olympics uh, never acknowledges it. There's been no memorial. There's been no acknowledgement. There's been nothing. Like zero. It's like it never happened as far as the International Olympic Committee is concerned. Uh, it did not occur. Anniversaries come and go of this tragedy and only the Jews remember. You know, they, yeah. they, they mark it. They, they remember it. But jeepers i mean so yeah, in these, in 11, these moments 11 i checked on 11 not fortunate. 17 yeah. 11 google says 11 but they might be reducing that let's fight about that wikipedia may have drawn the lines you also see that with with the whole holocaust fight people are like listen i'm not a holocaust denier i'm just a holocaust shrinker <laughs> like <laughs> i just want to shrink the numbers so yeah. while i'm sure that's accurate on the the munich numbers um it's weird. It's, weird that, it's weird that people do this. I don't get it. Now, admittedly, also I'm that, Jewish. <laughs> we're also in the, I don't know what I am. And, so. pl and plenty of people are like, that's why I hate him. <laughs> He's I'm just Jewish. American mutt. I have no I idea could, where I, I came could from. Have, <laughs> I am Jewish enough that I could have Israeli citizenship. Wow. Um, I, I don't. actually don't know why I said wow. Because it's amazing. <laughs> it's neat. Yeah. Uh, I am, my wife... Uh, actually, and that's just because the the way the mother's line works. Um, so sure. I'm not very Jewish, you know. I'm uh, a small slice, but enough I could go be Israeli. Uh, but I, my wife's family, I've got she's got cousins, which I are more like niece, niece nephew age. Mm -hmm. But but two of our family members are currently in the Israeli Defense Force, and. Uh, over there in the middle of this and my wife's aunt is over there in the middle of this and yeah. you know it's uh who where you tell the story from yeah matters a great a great deal
And, and it also is, this is not one of those things that you can just say, oh, if you told it from a Palestinian perspective, then paragliding into a party and murdering 276 people would be completely acceptable. Yeah. And raping all the women in the streets and parading yep. them around, you know, yep. like, that'd be fine if you It'd just be fine told if you, it. If you only understand a little bit. And you saw this during 2020, during the riots and the burning and everything, where it's like, these are mostly peaceful protests. And we're trying to tell the, the story. If cops in Minneapolis do a bad thing, do you have the right to loot private businesses in Portland? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, no, of course not. But people try to construct narratives to, to justify behavior. And the same thing's happening right now with all the narrative struggle. Yeah, the freedom fr freedom fighter versus terrorist. You know, what, yeah. are, what are we going to do? What are we going to call it? We're also in a time where we've been incentivized and catechized to not trust official narratives. So there's almost this, I think what's happening is an additional perverse incentive to believe the stories that are the most shocking, you know, because yeah. so, yeah. so then when you hear people jumping in, you know, normal Americans who for a long time have been, you know, Israel's number one, we should. Yep preserve the nation of Israel, they'll now go the other side and say, what business do we have? Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. And you'll hear overtly anti-Semitic stuff coming out a lot, plenty all over Twitter. It's, it's amazing. But it has to be that little frisson of excitement as you, uh, you're like, I'm it's, believing something really, 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 really based. I just got super based on this opinion. And yeah. so I, 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 it seems to me that's what's happening. You do. I wonder if it's the social media incentive that we've talked about too. Cause yeah. if you post something like that and it blows up and you have the entire world talking about your tweet, there's a little gross. Incentive you feel like you, you feel like you matter all of a sudden when yeah. you really actually don't, <laughs> <laughs> you just don't, but it, it is interesting. There's no, I don't think there's any way to possibly explain anti-Semitism apart from old, old, ingrained spiritual like rivalry and competitiveness and, and anything else. It just does not make sense. No, no like fat incel weirdo uh, in his basement in San Diego is just really committed to attacking the, you know, historicity of the Armenian genocide. Yeah. Um, they just aren't, but will totally go bizarrely in on how Ashkenazi aren't real Jews and, you know, and just all sorts of weirdness and the Holocaust wasn't all that. Um, so do you think that's envy playing in because you have many, many successful I think there's Jews a, I think there's a, a spiritual uh, modus operandi there that is beyond envy. I think there's an actual like hatred of those people by, by spiritual beings, which is constantly seeded and planted and the, uh, i don't i don't think it's in the dna of you know aryan gentiles or africans to mm -hmm. hate the jews i don't think it's in their you know i don't oh, think it's okay, in their gotcha. dna i think it's in the it's in the fallen world I it's, okay i think there are a lot of there are a lot of beings that hate the jews interesting and have for a long time yeah well i mean if you read romans 11 the way that I've always intended it, that the Jews The way have, you've always intended it. Sorry, sorry, I said that wrong. The way that I've always read it <laughs> or thought that it, you know, that everyone did. I found out recently, it's not how everyone reads Romans 11, but the idea of the Jews being given a gift through yeah. the old covenant and spurning it, but also us looking forward to a future repentance of- Looking forward to them being brought back in. Right. Yep. And the whole, the whole thing unified. Yeah. 
Correct. Uh, I guess that's not the only way. You could say it's fulfilled and they've I think it's the only. Blessing. I think it's the only correct way to read it. Well, that's our I podcast, mean, right? <laughs> There's never, <laughs> never two correct ways to read the story. Well, it's one that is more correct. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really, it's wild right now. So I, I'll say this and then we can run onto our Star Wars conversation. I was... Um, that's what we're about is blending weird flavors yeah. uh, sometimes i'm like we just discussed anti-semitism and star wars so about about <laughs> 12 I'm, I'm gonna be very precise if i can be i can't be about uh 12 years and 10 months ago i was in jerusalem filming and had an, a pretty awesome experience and getting to slither around inside of old tombs and visiting the field of blood which was a phenomenal place to visit because it's not enshrined and uh tainted by you know centuries and you know millennia of pilgrims but it was very real it was a very very real experience so i'm over there with this crew and on our crew there was a number of guys involved and drivers and sound guys and camera guys and all this other stuff and we're grabbing lunch uh in jerusalem and i'm sitting at a table with a secular Jewish kid, you know, young 20s from Tel Aviv, very, you know, what you'd expect from an American modern, you know, European slash American social ethnic Jew, um, a yarmulke Jew. And so not like just completely secular, but he's not uh, fully observant. Um, and is an Israeli uh, Arab, so generations and generations of you know of Arabic heritage in Jerusalem, like five hundred years, you mm -hmm. know his family's been there, but not Jewish. Uh, and then a more religious Jew. So and the the Yamaka guy was it was it was on and off and whatever he felt like it, and he was he was a big advocate for drug use and parties, and you know he's that he's that guy. He was a party boy from Tel Aviv, which is not that rare um religious more religious jew israeli arab uh palestinian and i'm sitting here eating uh lunch with them and i was like hey so this is remember 12 years 10 months ago i was like what's i want to ask you a couple questions everybody down for this and they said sure and so i said what do you think how like how long will israel last will israel be here in 10 years all of them agreed, no, Israel will have been annihilated within 10 years. Mm. And I was like, whoa, okay. So it's lasted longer than that, but all of them predicted its annihilation within a decade. And we've obviously surpassed that. And then I asked them, like, what do you think the biggest problem is? And the party boy said, uh, you know, basically just advocated for liberalism, multi multiculturalism, culturalism. Uh, Israel needs to be more welcoming of arabs and palestinians and be less rigid and it was just all liberalized 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 the religious jew then said the same thing we need to be more welcoming we need to be more you know these things the arab says israel needs to recognize people like me and allow us to serve in the military uh, even though we're not jews so why can a russian jew move here and immediately be in the idf and I've been here for centuries. My family's been here for centuries and I love Israel, but I'm not allowed. Uh, I was like, well, that's interesting. 
And I get to the the Palestinian and he says, every effing Jew must die. Wait, he said that at the table? Yeah. And I was like, excuse me? Uh, And he said, there will be no peace in Israel until every effing Jew has died. What was the guy right next to him thinking? They were just taking bites of their sandwich and just eating normally. This was not shocking to them. They're like, oh, we get you Palestinians. That, that's what you guys always say. You want to kill. You always want to kill all of us. I was like, holy cannolis. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, and I've, I've heard from Palestinian Christians too, who also have, you know, a very, uh, some of them quite striking and bold. Uh, that, that Palestinian Christianity is, is, takes a, an extreme amount of courage. Yeah. Uh, and is, is amazing. But that just shocked me. And I said, that's what's going to fix Israel. And he said, there will be no peace until every effing Jew has died, until we have killed all of them in the world, huh. starting here. He wanted, he wanted to exterminate all Jews everywhere. Yeah. And he was happy to say that at a lunch table with Jews. Crazy. And I'm- then I went to Mount the Mount of Olives. Sorry to interrupt you. But no, go. Go. Keep going. I'm at the Mount of Olives. I'm watching a sunset. I'm trying to have a moment. And I hear all these car horns honking. Meep, 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 meep. Um, and the, in the distance, they are coming closer and closer and closer. And they're all those very Toyota car horns. And I'm in, this, I'm in this Jewish graveyard watching the sunset over Jerusalem. And this parade of cars comes up. And this old man gets out of a Mercedes in the front. And it's all these Toyotas following. And these little kids come running around and grab his hands and are leading him through the graveyard. And I asked the Palestinian uh, there on our crew, I was like, what's, what's going on? And he said, oh, he was, he was in prison for a very long time for murdering Jews. And he didn't say murdering, he said killing, for, for killing Jews. And he was released today. And so his, his grandchildren are taking him to the graves of those Jews whom he murdered upon his release so that he can stomp on their graves and spit on them. And <laughs> I was that's pretty pretty demonic. And I was like, um first thing, <laughs> he was like, yeah, this is they've just brought him here. That's what's going on. And so he's finding the graves of his victims to wow. stomp and spit with his little grandchildren dancing around him, leading him to those places yeah. like a hero. Yeah. They have grabbed his hand. They've been waiting for his release. And these little grandchildren knew where the graves were mm-hmm. and where he didn't because he'd been locked up. His little grandchildren yeah. are leading him to the graves of his victims. Um, and of course, the Palestinian guy could have been completely lying to me and I wouldn't have known, but I don't know why he would have lied about this. I was just stunned. I was stunned by the, hmm. the level of hatred the level of murderous rage, the level of openness about it, and also the whistling past the graveyard that was happening from the people who would espouse open-armed liberalism to just like, no, we have to like take the walls down and just open our arms uh, to people who are professing a desire to murder them. Yeah. And that, that astounded me. Yeah. So anyway, it's all, it was all we very are. weird. Yeah. yeah. And cool. so then now, 12 years, 10 months later, like paragliders come in, they shoot up a peace festival. So why is there a peace EDM (laughs) 
right you know thing going dance on party yeah a big stupid dance party in celebration of border peace and hamas is like this is the spot we're gonna you're a soft target it, we're gonna kill all y'all it does who seem, are advocating for peace and that's exactly like my lunch table where right the there's the people espousing for like a softness and a peace are uh espousing for that in despite direct and obvious and brutal evidence to the contrary and and those poor saps all ended up murdered for it so i don't even know now i mean i know israel is gonna I mean, it react. does seem like one side stops fighting and there is peace one side stops fighting and they all get murdered yes i mean <laughs> that yeah. seems to be and, and should something- there be should there be a secular nation state known as israel formed the way it was it's like no yeah and that just doesn't neither should there be a state of idaho formed the way it was it it just uh there shouldn't be you know some indian reservations there shouldn't some of them shouldn't exist some mm-hmm. of them are understandable um but it's just like no there there shouldn't be it shouldn't have happened, but it did, and it exists now, and you can't set things right. Uh, should there have been an Irish potato famine that the English did nothing about? No, there should not have been. Does that in any way justify Irish violence against English now? Like, No, it does not. Right. There's a whole difference between should that have happened the way that it did, and should we be involved now, and what should they be doing over there? They're like yeah. complicated questions, and we've, I think- shown ourselves unable to sort through even one of those answers. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> you know. Uh, so take take the Irish and the English and then just, right. you know, multiply by 10. <laughs> you know, right. It's like, that's what you have. That's what you have over in the Middle East. Ooh. So anyway, I mean, it's one I, of those I, things, I the it, gospel's it. That's it. The gospel. They all need the gospel. It does make me wonder if there does seem to be such an amount of intensity about it that you can't say... It, it does feel to me like you must get involved or must not immediately lie, rises for Americans to the level of almost shouting. <laughs> and I, and I, I wonder if that's just part of where our history is. Um, the cause, yes, I think you're right. And the, cry, the calls for ceasefire yeah. are astounding as well. Right. Because if Israel were to cease fire before beginning to fire, you know, it's like Hamas invades shoots up a bunch of people hezbollah has said that iran signed off on all of this this was how this was planned by the iranian security we forces just sent six billion dollars yeah, right? and they i'm sure because they they're gleeful i'm sure they funded it with our money and um, our weapons out of afghanistan is the yep, other part of this yep. little wrinkle so you do that uh they they plan it they do this and over here as soon as israel's hit people started calling for a ceasefire and it's like, I, I get to murder your people. Then we stop, 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 stop. Put your guns down. Everybody put your guns down. It's like, not how this is going to happen. The person calling for a ceasefire is the one tapping out. And that will not be Israel. It's not going to happen. They understand their leadership, at least. Their, their, you know, civilians will have, citizenry will have more of a stomach for it now than they did. But their government, at least, understands the absolute existential threat that is constantly present and they will um they will fight like they're fighting for their lives because they are yeah and you've you've said this before too as far as we're concerned uh american you have a much higher stomach for empires having to get involved to do the right thing especially when they already have been 
entirely I, involved. Because I'm biblical in my thinking, Brian, <laughs> this, this means that there's, there's literally nothing wrong with Christian empire. You can listen to our episode on empire in order to get the justification. But uh, yeah, but it, it was I, I all just think Rwandan a, genocide. Was it, your yeah, main but it's argument. also in in Sudan and other places. But it's yeah, it is. Uh, if you like Sound of Freedom, then you're in favor of empire. You know, like it's if if somebody has a right to go rescue a kid out of the jungle who was abducted when they crossed a sovereign border and went and did that. Um, you know, it's just, just that. That's the simple argument. That's it's it. Our so, our our borders on a map a sacred text and they're not um they they really aren't but any as far as it goes empires are f- frequently awful so it just it's just part of the life cycle of a successful nation state is an imperial phase so anyway <laughs> are, we, are we just gonna is that just a little throwaway speaking, that speaking we of <laughs> speaking, <laughs> speaking of empire uh the empire in star wars <laughs> Does indeed follow. Yeah, it's it's it is funny. It's like uh, Mordor, Imperial, Gondor. Is it Imperial? It's like, is it? Yes, it's Imperial. Well, it doesn't. Um, I mean, if you read the Silmarillion, pushing <laughs> the glasses up on my nose, it did do that. <laughs> yeah, a hundred. <laughs> the Numenorians definitely went black at that point and destroyed the world for a while before yeah. they got wiped out. Yep. So one of, one of the one of the I love I love having like totally insane ideas that will never happen, and so <laughs> it can never be falsified, right? So it can never be falsified because it's never going to happen. But I'm ready. <laughs> one of the ways that you solve the immigration crisis uh, on the Mexican border, because that's actually what we're saying right now, is we have to let everybody in right now. Yeah, it, we're, yeah, even exactly. the people who want to kill us. Correct. So what we do there. We have people who want to work hard and build for their families. The like real Americans have always wanted to do because millennials won't and we need them. But we also have drug dealers and, you know, terrorists crossing the border and so on. Mm -hmm. Um, Traffickers. But one of the ways you solve it, the thing I would love to do. And of course, entirely impossible, but still thought thought it run with me. If Nate were emperor for a day. If no, just more of like we're in a vacuum sealed room where there's no other variables and we have a whiteboard. Okay. Okay. (laughs) What I would what I would do, and I I actually would seriously investigate this, is I would go to Mexico and say, okay, here's the here's the situation. You all can vote on whether you want to join the United States. The state of Mexico? The entire nation, Sorry, of the Mexico. nation of Mexico. Yeah. You know, that's, this is what we're going to do and make the same offer to Canada. <laughs> you guys get <laughs> okay. one, one vote. All right. You're still Canada, but that's, it's one state. That's wow. it. So you get two senators. You're going to have a lot of congressmen. A lot of, not so many from Canada, but a lot from Mexico. <laughs> and it's like, and here's the thing you vote, you vote this way. It's our rule of law. Like it's our, our laws are going to take over our constitution, our law enforcement, everything. So if you okay, guys, so if you guys want to be Americans, you can be Americans. Gotcha. We can do that. But you, what you can't be, but is you get, can't is do both. Get so, our good stuff, but not have to gonna, put yeah, up with our, it's just right. Okay. Are you going to come in? Is Mexico going to become a tax base? Is the American rule of law going to show up? 
right. uh, or not. And if not, then we're going to build a very big wall and we're going to have processes to try to allow immigration from honestly, in a way, why, why is Mexico opposed? Why are they opposed to us building a, a wall? If it's their, if it's their hard workers and their best crossing that border and leaving, fleeing Mexico, they would not want that. They don't want that. Um, you know, they want the border open. They want to, so people, good people can come work hard and send money back. There's things, there's things like that. Um, but ultimately you create an immigration path that's efficient and quick, uh, and selective. So for those people who would so come and be contributing American citizens. The Sinaloans are not coming across. <laughs> yeah, less of them. Yeah. But I would have no problem just saying, hey, let's have a vote, guys. You guys want to be a state? Because here's what it's going to mean. Like, it means, you know, FBI, DEA, ev everything. Yeah. Like, we're, there's no more, like, sovereign nation interaction. It's like, we just, we just run this place. Would you be willing for them to push back and become three states? No. You have 54 then? No. I mean, you could, you could build it in. So if you, for good behavior after a hundred years or something you like that. You get to double, be another know, state. You do what Texas has, like the ability to divide. Um, but I do, yeah, same thing for Canada. Um, That's actually as much as, you know, we are ignoring other variables. That seems to be a problem with every institution that I've been a part of. Yeah. Is people come and want the fruit without having to do, Always. without having to be yeah. part. Yep. Well, I guess it's it's fruit without, I don't know, the pain of having to weed, you know, the, yep. the, they want to do what they want and still get the result that happens when you weed, water, fertilize. They want to come eat the fruit. Yeah. They want to come draft on the community. They want to draft on the church, whatever. I mean, also and, it's true. That's and just, contribute nothing. It's All, just it's a little, human. It's, it's the, not, yeah, it's the little red chicken, you know, yeah. you don't want to help make the pie, but, or the cake, but as soon as the cake is made. Yep. You know, and this goes for some. like big urban centers like New York, where people are really used to infrastructure, government infrastructure, handling everything, mm. you know, your transportation needs, all, all these things. Uh, and you're just able to always say somebody ought to do something. I'm, I'm here to participate in the great city of New York and you're, and you are tarnishing my experience with your, with your lack of excellence. <laughs> Somebody ought to do something. Somebody yeah. ought to do something. So this is better for me. And people do that everywhere. It's right. normal human behavior to show up and say, hey, can I have all the good stuff? And the bill comes. We don't want to pay the bill ever. Nobody ever wants to pay the bill. So I, anyway, that's, that's an example of a path to empire. There are ways in which like a nation can grow its authority and, and so on. Um, it, could it ever get bad enough? Just run 50 years out could it ever get bad enough on the southern border where we had to take a chunk of it to get control of it to, I mean, it seems totally right yeah that it's, feels that's like impossible. we're close again there. not advocating for it just saying yeah can you imagine it getting bad enough if think about think about israel if people started launching rockets into el paso from juarez and there was just rocket launches Coming. I remember that from last year. There was footage, and I was like, I saw a little sort of interesting. It looked like Christmas lights on the screen. And you realize, oh, that's the Iron Dome because yep. Hezbollah bum, 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 or Hezbollah or Hamas is constantly launching yeah, RPGs five, over the yep. border all the time. Yep. And I was like, that's happening all the time. It's very. It's it is not infrequent. Put yeah. that way. And so, if that were happening at our border, like 
how quickly would we say, hey, so here's the thing. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and this is going to be ours now. So you can either take control of it, Mexico, or we're going to take control of it because we cannot sit here living with a gun barrel pointed at us. And so we're going to actually take it. That's an example of empire. Mm -hmm. Now, empire growth and so on. Now, the other thing that happens is uh, British people find out there's diamonds, <laughs> you know, in the, in, in the right across in, the border. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a little, you know, a little Belgian activity in the Congo that was less than desirable. Where it's like, hey, this is valuable. It's mine. And I'm going to take all of it. Yeah, it's the one Tintin book nobody reads. Tintin yeah. in the Congo. Yep. And so I'm going to take all your stuff. And I'm going to give you trains. And that's about it. There's, you know, some phone lines. But old telegraph poles. Right. So, and we're also going to chop off many people's arms as punishment for everything. Yeah. This can be really bad. Yeah. So there's all sorts of empire. And... Uh, a huge percentage of it is bad, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's like saying there's all sorts of violence and a huge percentage of it is bad. Yeah. And I think it's we, the same yeah. way. Empire can be immoral and frequently is, and empire can be moral and rarely is, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, but it is possible. Yeah. So, uh, when we're spreading democracy, that's not empire. That's just stupid. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we were trying to spread empire like democracy yeah which is why we've missed it so we're, we're spreading our taint we like to show up to the middle east and fly a gay flag but mm -hmm. that's about all we do right now and they all be like and then we leave quickly and leave all the weapons for them to attack israel so but anyway star wars brian we we're going to talk about star wars we talked about <laughs> we empire time? israel hamas do we, do we just well, finish I don't our like, episode for given, today given that i don't like talking about star wars i think we i think we have time well, Nate, we did a whole episode on Pixar discussing its its problems and its excitement. So I feel like we at least owe it to Lucasfilm <laughs> to to, di to dig deep. Mm, mm, do we have to dig deep? No, we don't. But okay. it, uh, the question the question that we have, and this is this is emailed from one of our international. So this this episode's called mostly the Middle East and a little bit Star Wars. No, it's going to be a lot Star Wars. You're here, <laughs> you're here for another forty five minutes. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, just the question the the question is. Uh, from this mom in Okinawa. Um, she has a Star Wars question. Obviously, she says Star Wars has a track record of mostly terrible stories, but somehow in the midst, they've built a universe that's flushed out and interesting. Uh, and she's asking because her son adores Star Wars and wants to write Star Wars fan fiction, and he wants to be a movie director and make better Star Wars movies. And then uh, I similarly... I don't know. I can say that my... my if he's eight, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. All the way up to maybe 12. Nice. Because I also have a 10-year-old who's very yeah. into Star Wars right now. We were watching... Understandably. I tried to show them all the movies, the prequels, one through three. And for, for I hadn't seen them since I myself was in whatever, a teenager. They're so bad. And he, during one of them was like, because Christy and I were making fun of him while we watched. And he was like, can we just watch the movie, Dad? And I was like, no, <laughs> here's why. But no, we, we, we watched it and he was, we made fun of a good chunk of it. But still, I think the pull of lightsabers and the pull of yeah. the costumes and everything is pretty exciting. Oh, they're genius. The, the originals are absolutely genius. Yeah. Why? What's, what's genius about them? What do you think the touch is? Okay. So to tie in the Alien franchise. So <laughs> if Nate refuses to stay on topic. <laughs> this is the topic, Brian. <laughs> 
So we're going to tie in the Alien franchise. One of the best things about Alien is this scurrying little hand that will grab onto your face, wrap its tail around your neck, and lay eggs down your throat. The big slimy monster mm-hmm. is not scary. Yeah. It, it's just it's a big slimy monster. The little creepy thing that's going to like the face suckers, pseudo yeah. suffocate you. It's like these little, I learned a lot from that and from Star Wars in, in my own attempt at creation because you want it to be a high concept, something that's elevated and unexpected and something that, you know, is worthy of telling a story about, but you also want it to be extremely resonant, like on a, like a primal level with the creeps, with the excitement, whatever it is, you want it to be creepy and really primal, fundamental human ways. You want it to be exciting and primal, fundamental human ways. You don't want it to be overcomplicated. And you want want it to be easily understood, Mm -hmm. absorbing, exciting, and and so on. Lightsabers are genius, just straight up genius, because it takes that knight and, you know, Jedi knight Yep. thing and you have a sword but it's a laser and it makes awesome sounds yep and you can push a button and you know you know you know just the whole sword all of us have done that yeah all of us have run around the backyard doing that yeah and we've done it as much as uh basically as much as we've done it with swords yeah you know it's like you could have a wooden night sword and still end up making lightsaber noises and wanting it to be a lightsaber because you took a sword, which boys are already drawn to, and you gave it a noise, mm-hmm. and it glows, and it's this fiery Arthurian thing. You know, it's this yeah. flaming sword, uh, and it's it's phenomenal. Then you have amazing theme music, kinetic yeah. dogfights in space, and even more importantly, you have extreme visibility on good guys, bad guys, with the music, with the costumes. Mm-hmm. with everything and that's you know the bomb 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 and here's darth vader and here's the emperor and here are the stormtroopers they all those are the bad guys they're all wearing the bad guy costumes right and so you have faceless even. yeah and and what i've learned is and this i've learned through hello ninja and through lots of other experiences that this is all play patterning so when you're creating something that's absorbing and fun and wish fulfilling it creates particular play patterns and you can look at story ideas and and show ideas and so on and assess the play patterns and meaning what is it going to make kids want what, to imitate what are kids going to want to do imitate a yeah. behavior at a, at a more fundamental level how do they play the game when they watch this show how do they play now this actually makes a lot of the filth that's being produced even more insidious you have to understand that they've play patterned this stuff they've actually mm. really closely looked and they fail often uh, but they're looking to create imitative uh, pattern pattern behavior. Now, I think that Star Wars is the absolute king, the dominant king of play pattern behavior of all time. Yeah. A Harry Potter is like a distant second. Gotcha. Yeah. So if you could run around fighting things, you got a little stick and you say Latin words. Yeah. <laughs> <You know, laughs> um, <laughs> so, Latin pigeon. We've all tried it one time. Yeah, it was Latin, not as satisfying. Latin pigeon. <laughs> you know? And so think about Narnia. What's a play pattern on Narnia? Uh, it's like, well, there's good guys, there's bad guys. Yeah. You know, sword fighting. Fight for the good. But it's it's kind of the same exact play pattern. It's not a distinctive mm-hmm. signature play pattern as 
uh, Harry Potter is. Or, right, because the witch turning people to stone is the most distinctive and that's not really something you want yeah, to imitate. So it's hard to, you know? Yeah. Um, so then you take you go to Star Wars and we have marchy march bad guys with laser guns with theme music and they're dressed like mm. the bad guys and identified as the bad guys. And then you have normal looking people who have adorable robots, adorable robot companions who also have laser swords. Yeah. And you get to jump and flip and make cool sounds with your mouth while you're swinging your sword around. Uh, it's yeah. awesome. And then you're of course a pilot. So you're flying. There's also- <laughs> That's more wish fulfillment. Like speeder bikes. Yeah. You know, and, and in my, some of my own pitches and conversations, like the, the, the speeder bikes, the force of Endor and Dash and the Incredibles are channeling some of the same wish fulfillment. Being able to just go that really fast. Really, just crazy fast. Right. Just like, right. you know, there we go through weird terrain. Yeah. You know, and the ability to go at that speed through weird terrain. I spent a lot of time on road trips as a kid with my head against the window, envisioning myself, picturing myself running by the car <laughs> and like going down in the ditch and jumping driveways and just going at 60 miles an yeah, hour. Yeah, I did jumping, the, jumping yeah. the telephone poles. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> like yeah. Just, and you're envisioning yourself doing all this and like that's speeder bikes. Right. I think those original three films are absolutely phenomenal because surprise your magic and you're a special knight and you're going to get trained as a special knight with your laser sword your your fiery laser sword that makes mm -hmm. cool noises and you guys are going to have a theme song and the bad guys all have a theme song so i i remember playing star wars with kids who would like come around the corner with their guns doing the death star song Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, and they were, they were yeah. like running around the backyard doing the dun, 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 right. dun, 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 yeah. And it's like, and we're all running around and everybody's doing laser noises and you're dramatically dying and rolling over and pulling out your stick and making lightsaber sounds. It is an absolute home run, like just genius project in terms of tickling the fancy of kids and then up. Of a certain age, of a certain age, and especially boys, where it just and that's really hard to do. So, like the boy storytelling isn't the easiest thing to do to to not just tell them a story they'll watch, but tell them a story that they'll desperately want to be mm -hmm. in, yeah, and they'll imagine themselves in for the rest of their lives. They'll, well, yeah, you know, they'll be able to do that. I think so, I think Ninjago managed to pull that off, and that's yeah. probably why it's so big. Is because the spinning and for kicking. a little bit. For the for, little yeah. guys. Yeah. No, it's it's done it for a little bit and then it's gotten it's worse and worse and worse. I know. Now it's got like cat people. Yeah. You know, uh, it's kind of yeah. crazy to watch how they are furry programming. Yep. Like it's, yep. yeah. I and, saw it. But Lego, Lego, uh, Lego movie did it. Lego Batman did it because it's, right. everybody's got Legos. And so you have the ability to like, yeah. Now your Legos seem more alive than they ever did before. And we right. already love Legos. We were already all in. So that stuff was, genius too but i i really think that star wars hit like a absolute peak in terms of resonating i don't don't know of a modern story that has that, is that more, amount of that is more instinctive like more instinctive and resonating like with the absolute core of the male imagination <laughs> you know uh, yeah i mean i just think you can go in to what you what we liked about those you know the jawas and the ewoks and yeah. all the little pieces all around it chewbacca the little, the little touches you know 
And then I can see how Star Wars went and tried to do it again. Yep. And just it totally failed. Here's another cute creature. Uh, no, it doesn't work. Right. Um, right. Chewbacca. That- so you think about Chewie. Yeah. You think about Han and his ship. You think about Ewoks, lightsabers, you know, and, and the whole Jedi Knight concept. Right. Uh, and the more they try to get into the actual metaphysics and philosophy of how the force works. Metachlorians and all. Yeah. The more they do that, the more it just goes away and it starts to suck. Right. So the fact that you have the ability to, you know, alter reality and you're a wizard. So it's this Merlin, Arthur, fiery sword, magical powers, yep. super identifiable bad guys with the outfits and the theme music, right? big sword fights, dog fights. So you've got like Top Gun, King Arthur, <laughs> you've, got yeah. all, you've got all this stuff and it, it comes I mean, out in even that. fairy queen level of yeah. like, yeah, it's just. And so it comes out in just awesome ways in the first ones. And yeah, totally cheesy. Narrative structure is a, is a happy meal toy in terms of simplicity. Right. You know, it's not complicated. Luke it's is the, not that interesting of a person no, to watch. No, it's He's, not that consistent, but he is what a lot, for this kind of storytelling, he is that vehicle. He is that empty costume that yeah. you can put on. Right. So. If he's too much of a person with too many flaws, yeah. you can't put that costume on in your imagination that easily. Yeah, Anakin, man. No. So the worst. Luke is a one size fits all costume for every male, you know, above the age of three or four who watches this <laughs> right. and can just put themselves into that costume and go through all these adventures. Yeah. And so it's cheaper, it's more amusement park storytelling that right. way. Uh, rather than like art that truly elevates. I think Mandalorian did that too, especially with his yeah. faithlessness in the first season. He's a faceless guy yeah. that you can see. And I'm that guy. I'm that guy. I don't even know what I'm his face that, looks like. Yeah, I'm that guy. Uh, I will, I've, I've heard the story a lot of people have of George Lucas getting very insecure about Star Wars when he visited the set of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. And Spielberg, man, Spielberg being his own kind of genius. Uh, traded equity traded ownership with him to reassure him and they swap a percentage point so yeah they swapped some they swapped some ownership and george lucas luckily owns a chunk of close encounters of the third kind and spielberg now owns a chunk a of piece Disney. of star <laughs> piece of, of star Disney. wars <laughs> yeah it's yeah, yeah anyway pretty funny I, it's kind of cool the part of phantom menace my kids are really into the duel of fate song and darth maul fighting you know okay. one of the coolest characters to appear for all of 10 minutes yeah. Right with his horns and his double yep. lightsaber, and you know the double the double the double lightsaber is an example. Like, hey, here, let's take something simple, yeah, and let's add it, like, make it cool, yeah, you know, make it cooler, and it is, it looks awesome on screen, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Star Wars just resonates at that pizza level, you know, where it's just so don't overcomplicate it. Does it's that just mean really we get good. so then when they what? Why is it so bad? I mean, maybe we just go back to they just made mistakes when that prequel series and then especially in the next three you know the late the last three they made or the ray ones they just didn't it's just really uninteresting yeah i guess the characters aren't good enough the story's repetitive there's the level how many the level of innovation yeah but the level of innovation is actually it's hard to keep hitting that okay so that's because the yeah. thing the thing that they did was wildly innovate in simple and creative and primal ways right that resonated beautifully with the human psyche 
Right. And then do that again. Yeah. Like so then they try You know how you put lightning in a bottle? Like Yeah. <laughs> go can or you put so some more? Like, you know we how we had bottles. a really cool ice world. Now let's do an underwater world with the Gungans and everyone's like, that didn't work. Yeah. You know, three big sea creatures eating each other in one scene. That it's yeah. It's it didn't have the spark. It didn't it have get, the sauce. It gets lost. Didn't, didn't have, have the, the sauce. sauce. <laughs> so yeah, you have but basically there there are it can be really, really hard. So imagine Rowling trying to write another franchise and be like, hey, hit that level of resonance. There's a cultural moment in time, you know, like there was right. a, a vacuum. People had gone away from a certain kind of storytelling and reading. And then she hit something that just clicked, just resonated. Right. And that's why and, she's and writing it was mystery a, fiction. Yeah. Now. And it's like we talked about the, tri, the trifecta of wish fulfillment and just right. she nailed it. Um, and then it goes massive. Do that again. You know, do that again. So if your if your strategy is uh, John Irwin was telling me about sorry side side note here he was telling me that people always want to build business models off of anomalies and outliers. Like when mm, when that's thing, great. yeah when things really go. And so for him that was I can only imagine that it just took off and was much bigger than anticipated. He said, then you want to build your business model off of doing that. You want to build your business model off of lightning in the bottle. And somebody says, you know, if we franchise this, if we could, if we could go to an industrial scale with right. lightning in a bottle, right. we would be so rich. It's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you, yeah. you would. But you have to thread so many needles, yeah. including cultural moments outside of your control. You have to thread, like, and, and admittedly, we all try to, you know, we all try to do that. Um, oh, uh, yeah. You and, look and, back at, hey, this was our best business year ever. Let's do that again. And then year. better, but better. <laughs> right. And and there's people who get really good at this and they're usually pharmaceutical companies and they know how to throw all the levers. They know how to manufacture a natural. They know, they yeah, well, they know how to force a government into like, hey, <laughs> can you give us total immunity and then require our product? So it could be- That business model so works it could be over horse, and over again. So it could be horse manure. But they also know how to pay Travis Kelsey. Uh, I tweeted about this halfway you joking. Did. I don't think, I think, I know. I still think they're too dumb for that. No, no. I'm too naive no. to think that they don't know. Um, Travis Kelsey- He's not a big pitch man. He's not a, a. You're right. He's not. He doesn't move the levers. He's not Michael Jordan. Yeah. This isn't Jordan. He's not Braun. You know, he's not Mahomes. He's not even his quarterback who is doing endorsement deals with like State Farm. You know, we're and, talking like low lines catch up. Yeah. And like cornball State Farm commercials. You know, you think about Chris Paul from the NBA and Mahomes from the Chiefs and the NFL. And then you go to Travis Kelsey, good looking, you know, Ophi, meatloaf, you know, white tight end boy. And yeah, he's, you know, he's good at football. But when you're, when you're thinking to yourself, we really need a spokesperson for the, the vaccine. The vaccine. <laughs> we need. Dang it. I don't want you to convince me of this. We need a spokesperson for the vax, says Pfizer. And somebody's like, I think I could get you Travis Kelsey. <laughs> I mean, it's like, really? <laughs> He's got a podcast with his brother. They're funny sometimes. His brother's awesome as a lineman who had a yeah, Christmas a album. Big dude. Yeah and, he, yeah. and he doesn't care. He's not a diva. Uh, but yeah. So anyway, what is, 
the thing like that you could do to make Travis Kelsey like matter and be just a straight like absolute multiplier. Well, send him on a date with Taylor Swift. Can you successfully afford Taylor Swift? Can you afford her as your Vax spokesperson? The answer she, to that is no, you cannot. She cleared a billion dollars. Well, not cleared. Total yeah. billion dollars yeah. in her tour so far. She grossed a billion. Yeah. In a year. So you cannot afford that. Which is better than movie studios. Like the whole studios didn't do that. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And so she does that. Can you afford to pay her to get on TV and say, Everybody go get your COVID shot, just like your flu shot. Like, no, you cannot. You cannot afford her. I, you know, even though you're a pharma company, she also carefully curates her image. And she's, you know, she's a she's a lefty, but she's still like going after all of America. She wants all of your children. Um, you know, like this is she's <laughs> yeah. she's building this. So, but can you set up a relationship that puts a multiplier on Travis Kelsey's value? Yes, you can. I think they fell into the gravy. They happened just by sheer coincidence, Brian, to to roll out Travis Kelsey's COVID commercial at the game that was the first game Taylor Swift okay. attended. It All broadcast, right. Right. It, it debuted in broadcast at that game. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, right. go all the way back to the early days of Hollywood, and you know how they set up constantly. Yeah. They've yeah. constantly set up pairs. Yeah. And they've created this couple drama. This is the oldest marketing play in the book <laughs> to be like, they're dating each other. Everybody care. You know? <laughs> and it's, there's old trend a buddy of mine was telling me about of, of women uh, telling their husbands or boyfriends that like, Taylor Swift, apparently she's dating some like no, no name football player who's never done anything. And they get outraged in Travis Kelsey's defense because yeah. he is, he's a fantastic tight right. end. He's really good. No, my wife literally said this. She was like, do you know who Travis Kelsey is? And I was like, don't ask me that. Don't do it. <laughs> don't yeah. ask me that. But he's, Travis Kelsey, I, I went from respecting him as like one of the greatest. I have zero respect for him now because he did, he did this. He's a little yep. stooge. He's a stooge. Where there's. There's a little bit of dating happened. NFL, like viewership goes through the roof. His jersey sales go through the roof. His though. jersey sales go through his, his, there. his value goes up. Uh, and then he's rolling out his COVID vax commercials mm -hmm. while his girlfriend is up in the box. And I love his mom's reaction. It was my favorite thing of the whole thing. I, don't, I didn't see that. People are all giddy because she's the Kelsey mom. You know, her she's got two sons in the NFL, both of whom have won Super Bowls. Uh, and have played against each other in a Super Bowl. And she wore jerseys, you know, sewn together in half. Somebody asked her, I was like, what was it like, like meeting Taylor Swift and I have her in the box? And she said, uh, it was okay. It was okay. <laughs> it was okay. And let me just say, if your son was actually dating, like for real dating, a girl who just made a billion dollars this last year. You would not say it's okay. It'd be, it'd be like, what is going? You'd be way more tripped out. Like there, she did not seem to, she didn't treat it as a real relationship. She'd seen the check. Yeah, even kind of. So anyway, the we're way we're way off. That's what I was going to say. Is we did Star Wars, Taylor Swift. I'm defending my <laughs> I, I'm defending my my tweet, but also I will say, uh, same buddy told me he's like, you obviously don't understand how the music music business works. 
Um, and he's listening to this now, so I can I can tell him that's exactly how you sound you sounded. Um, <laughs> in terms, of, I was talking about zombie stars. Um, yeah. And he's like, you know, they go away, they have albums, they tour, all this kind of stuff, and then they relaunch. Sure. But she has been an old cultural artifact. And people who are much bigger for much longer, Bono, mm -hmm. uh, don't do what she can do. Like the she has reached this bizarre level of dominance and control uh, that is not normal. This is not the normal rhythm. Of, for us oh now i'm releasing an album it's a like, one direction level no you know, it's, it's like, incredible and yeah. and my hat's off to them for i mean honestly for building something this ubiquitous i just happen to hate it uh, i think i've only ever listened to one taylor swift song all the way through and it's the one she sang with the national so coney island oh okay yeah national's good yeah <laughs> <laughs> and here's the sad part and my wife loves taylor swift back it's, in the day like 12 now, years ago that's my 15 point years and ago. that's my yeah. point like she how is she harvesting new fangirls in junior high right now that she's still like that she's actually revolving back to uh younger generations instead of just having her fan base aging she's keeping the aging fan base and layering new ones which is terrifying but anyway so star i Wars. respect it like a death star luckily we have laser swords and in the end and we will they put, have we exhaust will put a ports <laughs> we will put a stop <laughs> blow it up to all of it so yeah this this particular podcast we've we've meandered from the middle east to star wars to t-swift and pharmaceutical companies and then off to the rest and i don't even day. know how that happened honestly well they have the tape so they can tell i don't know that they'll be able to <laughs> anyway this has been sasp we will be bringing a new lamp to you as soon as we can we're, Alrighty. We're very close. Cheers. Hope you enjoyed the episode of SASP. We enjoy having you all share your feedbacks and thoughts with us. Here I have for you the proofs of a new book. You might wonder why I don't have the book itself. Well, it hasn't arrived yet. I wanted to show you some of my favorite parts of Blah Blah Black Sheep. If you're in audio, of course, you're going to have to either uh, go to blahblahkids.com to check it out yourself or watch the video on Canon Plus. But here you can see the friendly grasshopper, uh, not a super important character, but an, uh, he's on the title page anyway. <laughs> and then uh, the other page, here's the picture of Blah Blah Black Sheep singing the wrong song, Blah. It's great stuff. And then the last two I wanted to show you, this great scene inspired by Tintin and Hergey. Blah Blah's uh, uh, wondering if he should become a pirate, sail the seas. Last picture I wanted to show you, because you can't see all of them, you'll have to wait for the book. You don't get to see him running uh, with the wolves or him with the yetis. He saves the baby yeti. But you do get to see Blah Blah wondering if he should join a circus to become a fire breather or perhaps join a rodeo to bust Bronx. Anyways, this book is great. Please go to blahblahkids.com and check out the pre-order specials. Uh, some special bonuses there, along with getting your book signed by Nate and Forrest and also being a part of making the show happen, Lord willing, and uh, many other cool things. So head to blahblahkids.com, get a copy for Under Your Tree.